Good morning. Um, thank you for so much for joining me and supporting me. Uh, I want to thank you for having the confidence in me to be able to deliver this message this morning. Um, let's turn over to the book of John. Uh, we're going to start in the 15th chapter, but before we do, um, can we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. Father, I thank you for this opportunity. I ask that you would remove any opinion, uh, any presupposition I may have about you or your character, Father, and that you would speak through me. You would speak to us through your word and reveal to us who you are and what you would have us to hear, Father. I ask that you go with this message this morning. I ask that you, that your truth come and and cut us, Father. Pierce our hearts with it. Father, edify us and help us to grow more and more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we ask and pray these things. Amen. Okay, so um, before we move into... um, before we move into John, if you have attended or been involved in my Sunday school classes, you know I always want us to consider three things when we're reading the scriptures, those three things being the author, the audience, and the context. So obviously in the book of John, our author here is John, but more specifically today, we're going to be reading the red letters. So our author is actually Jesus Christ. So who is our audience? Well, the audience is his disciples. So now let's get some context. So Jesus has gathered the disciples together at the Last Supper, and they have feasted, and they have been fed physically, and now he's about to feed them spiritually. And when they were finished eating, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords does something that none of them could have anticipated. He stands up. He lays down his garments, and he girds himself with a towel, and he begins to wash their feet. So the Lord of glory, the Son of the Most High God, is now serving them. And when he had finished, he now began to teach them, but only this time it seemed different. There was a finality to what he was saying. He began to speak clearly to them. This is commonly referred to as Jesus Christ's farewell discourse, But he tells the 11 who are gathered there because Judas at this time had left and he was on his way to betray Jesus. But he was telling the 11 that the time has come for him to die. So the disciples are distraught uh, and some are even saying that they won't allow that to happen. And Jesus then even foretells of Peter's denial and of the disciples scattering because of their fear. So after they understand that he is going, they plead with him. And Philip says to him in chapter 14, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Meaning, we know you have to go, but just show us the Father first to give us some comfort. To which Jesus says to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has sent me has seen the Father. So Jesus begins to teach and to speak clearly to them without parable, without metaphor. 
So his teaching is now less of an attitude or an idea for them, but it's, it is more of a commission. Now, what is so marvelous at this point is that the disciples finally understand him. They understand who he is and what he must do. They don't have to ask what he means or, or to explain it really because the veil is beginning to be pulled away. So knowing their hearts, Jesus makes them a promise to ease their hearts and to give them peace. And this is where I want us to start. So we're in um, chapter 14, we'll be re- reading verses 15 through 18. He says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Then in verses 25 through 27, he says, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Then in chapter 15, verses 26 through 27, he says, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. So the first thing that the Spirit does is he reminds. He reminds us of his teachings and his word. He reminds us of his truth. He brings to remembrance all of the things that he had ta- he has taught us. And if you pay close attention, those things are ordinarily brought forth when they are most needed. Now, we need to keep in mind, when we talk about the triune God, we, we tend to mention the Father and the Son often, and but we mention the Holy Spirit almost in passing as like it's, as it's, as if it is somehow lesser than the Father or the Son, but this is the third person and personality of God. So it, we should refer to it as He, not it. We should refer to Him Right, He speaks to us. He is reminding us of these things. He is bringing these things to remembrance. And then Jesus tells us in chapter 16, and I'm going to read verses 5 through um, 11. It says, But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they did not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And of judgment 
because the ruler of this world is judged. So the second thing that the Spirit does is He condemns. He condemns our sin, and not just our sin, but all sin. He condemns our sin, but personally, specifically, He condemns ours. He condemns our unrighteousness. He condemns us by speaking to us through His Word and through our conscience. And by doing so, He reveals to us who we are. We're not lovers of God. We are lovers of self. And we stand condemned by the law of God as transgressors. And he shows us that we are enemies of the Most High God. We are enemies. And the worst part is that we love it. We love our sin. We love our sin so much that we are unwilling to repent and to turn from it. We love it so much that most of us are willing to be eternally separated from all that is good and is holy. The Spirit condemns us. And if He isn't condemning you of your sin, He may not dwell within you. I want to go back and look at verses 12 through 15. He says, I still have, this is Jesus still speaking. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. For he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Now, we're going to fast forward in time just a little bit. Okay, we're going to turn over to Acts chapter 2. Before we turn there, let's talk about what's what's happened between between. John 16 and Acts chapter 2. So Christ is betrayed. He's beaten and he's crucified for being the only righteous man to ever live. He goes to the the cross willingly and gives up his life. He gives it up. It wasn't taken from him, but he gives it up all so that he may be the perfect sacrifice and the only sacrifice that could completely satisfy the wrath of God. And then he dies And he raises himself up from the dead on the third day because even death couldn't hold him. Even death doesn't have any authority over Christ. And in his resurrected state, he remains with the disciples as the perfected Christ, teaching them and shepherding them for 40 days. And then he's taken up into heaven where he is seated at the right hand of the Father, testifying on our behalf. Now let's flip over to Acts 2. Now, Acts chapter 2 is one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. I know they are all good, And it's probably not good to have favorites, but this one is probably up there for me. And we're going to read the entire thing. 
And one of the reasons why I love Acts chapter 2 so much is that we are going to get to see Christ's promise fulfilled, the promise that he made to his disciples. He says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how was it that we hear, each in our own language in which we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya joining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans, Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, Whatever could this mean? But others mocking said, They are full of new wine. Now listen to this. But Peter... Standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. Now, I want to pause there for a minute and let you know that that was not intentional. Noah covered that in depth last week, and I don't, I don't feel like that I need to go back over that. Verse 24, it says, Whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You 
have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this, which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continually, uh, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So thirdly, what does the Holy Spirit do? What does he do? He testifies. He testifies. He testified through Peter. He testified through his apostles that day. He testified of his message, and he testifies today. This message that Peter gave them on that day is the same message that I'm giving to you today. I want you to know that this is not a message from me. 
but from God who has fulfilled his promise. He has sent his spirit just as he promised, and he is testifying of himself through me, through his word to you. So brothers and sisters, hear these words that this Christ, the son of God whom the father sent, whom you crucified through your sin, has given up his life. He has taken up your sin upon himself, and he has had God's wrath that was meant for you and I to be poured out on him, and it pleased God to crush him so that we might be able to be reconciled back to him. This same Jesus loves you, and we know that because he has demonstrated this love and his love for us on that cross and it's only by his grace and mercy that we might be called children of the most high God now you may be asking yourself what must I do to be saved and the answer is repent repent turn from your sin and put your trust fully in Jesus Christ trust him not the way the world does believing he was a good teacher and, and a, a moral man, but trust him with your eternity. Trust him with your salvation. And not just for today, but forever. Believe in him so much that you are willing to cast all else aside just to follow him. So repent. Believe and be baptized. Now, if you have truly repented and you turn from your sin and you've truly believed and you've put your, the entirety of your faith and hope on him and him alone and you haven't been baptized, I urge you to follow through with your commitment by testifying to the world of what Christ has done for you through your baptism. Tell the world through your baptism what Christ has done for you Submit to him. He commands us to be baptized. If you are faithful, he will send his spirit upon you and he will remind you of his word. He will rebuke you when you stumble as a father does that loves his child. But he won't ever leave you there. He won't ever leave you where you are. He'll accept you as you are, but he won't leave you there. And then he will testify for you to the Father. He will testify of you in heaven, and he will testify of himself through you in this world. And you will see the entire world around you change through the gospel of Jesus Christ that we know and agree is the power of God unto salvation. brothers and sisters those of you that are watching I want you to know that I love you I want to thank you for your support and your confidence in me and know that if there's ever anything that I can do for any of you I will do whatever I can but we are in a difficult time we are going through 
a near impossible trial. But if we are going to stand firm on the truth of God's word, on his sovereignty, then we must not despair when he sends us trials because they are meant for good. They are meant for our purification and our edification. They are meant to remove the chaff and to cleanse our feet of the sin that we have accumulated through this world. No, this is not easy, but it is good. And we may not be able to see that now, but if we say that we trust him, we trust him with, with our will and our ways and we will rely solely, solely on him. We cannot let this we cannot let this destroy our hope. So do not lose heart. For Jesus Christ has told us, do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, and has now come that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. I want to say thank you for your uh, attention. Thank you for uh, your time that you've invested today. And I hope that I hope that God revealed himself through his word today. I love you and I thank you. And I'm going to close this in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy and your salvation that you've given us. Thank you for being truth, for when you said that you would send us your spirit, we know that for those of us who are saved, that it dwells within us, Father. I know that you speak to me through your word, that you bring things to my remembrance, that you condemn me and rebuke me when I need it, Father, but that you also testify of yourself through me. Thank you for your love and your patience. I ask that you go with us this week. You watch over all of our families. That you keep us safe, Father. But ultimately, we do pray for your will. Even if it's not easy, even if it's inconvenient, we know that your will not only will be done, but that it is perfect. And we agree with that. We love you. And we thank you and we praise you in the name of of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.